Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Cigar Stream. Uh, I'm just wait for some people to trickle in here. I am uncharacteristically bang on time. Uh, in today's episode, I'm going to be responding to questions that people asked on my video earlier on uh, this morning. About 10 a.m., I released a video called How to Read the Media and Pass the Regime. And at the end of that video, I said I would answer any questions that people have because uh, I feel it's quite an important video. Uh, 10,000 people have watched it in the last 11 hours, and uh, there have been 216 comments on there. Obviously, people can uh, ask questions here as well. I did also say that... Uh, Anyone who asks questions on Twitter, would uh, I would try to do my best to answer those as well. So uh, I will get cracking soon. Uh, let me just see if I can find um, that video on Twitter. Um, where is that? It's hard, uh, the videos don't come up on the media tab on Twitter, so I have to find it. Let me give me one second. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm just going to find the video from earlier on. Um, I did turn my comments off Twitter, but being Elon Musk's Twitter, um, it, it doesn't stay set. When you set comments to, you know, only people you follow can respond. Every single time you post, it resets to back to everyone. And it's just driving me nuts now. So I've, I've just given up. I've given up. Anybody can comment. The tragedy of the commons, you know, breaks out under every single tweet, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, this is the life we lead now. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm, let me just uh, have a look uh, for that so I can get those questions as well oh here we go i found it there were a few questions under there too um i will also mention uh very quickly that this stream you, some of you may know i've had a couple of uh very expensive car repairs recently and whenever i have massive unexpected expenses of this kind you know what that means don't you ladies and gentlemen you know what that means it means a special flash sale. And on this stream, I'm going to do, I was going to do a special stream earlier on, but given that I wrote an article and made a video today, I thought it would be too much to do two, two streams in one day. I didn't want to tire myself out too much. So I'll do it tonight on this stream and on this stream only. This is a one day flash sale. Once the coupons are gone, they're gone. There's only a couple in each of the... There's two different flash sales. Um, there's more in the second one and then the first one. But once they're gone, they're gone. And the first one is a 50% off sale, ladies and gentlemen. Unprecedented in the history of the academic agency. Flash one is the code. It will work on bundles. Any bundles, any course, all of them are on. Flash one is the code. 50% off. Once they're gone, 
and there's only a very small number of them, uh, I will open up the second flash sale <laughs> and um, we'll take it from there. Okay. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully by the end of the stream, the uh, this bloody, you know, basically giving away my courses almost for free. Um, hopefully that will do enough to take the terrible sting of the uh, car repairs I've had to do this week. <laughs> okay, anyway, let us uh, now start on the uh, on the question. So I saw an interesting question here on Twitter, first of all, and it said, um, uh, I'll just get it up here because they've got a copy of one of my slides from uh, the talk I gave at uh, last year. In, in fact, I've got a much better version of that slide, which I'll uh, I'll get up in a second. Um, and the question is, how can we pass which faction of elites is winning? What signals they watch, military recruitment, etc. For example, are we currently ruled by Neocon uh, TW Coalition? with woke put away to make white boys sign up and borders open so third world uh, can have wealth. Uh, okay, so let me just get up uh, that slide of mine from that talk I gave last year. That was from the Octopus talk. I'm just going to get this up because I think it's an interesting question to get us going. Um, so let's... Uh, get this up here you can see so this is the slide we're talking about and if you remember in my breakdown of the factions of the elite we have the neocons with brackets the military industrial complex based in washington their aim is to remake the world in america's image combat anti-semitism use american hard and soft power promote forever wars uh, very obviously the kind of Washington base, okay? State Department uh, and so on and so forth. Then at the middle column, we've got the techno-globalists who, who want a globalist government, globalist institutions, UN, EU, NGOs of all sorts, uh, various uh, types of international finance and corporations, they want to promote globalist uh, oversight, stuff like the World Health Organization, climate change stuff, and, and, and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, and then on the third column, we've got the third worldists. That's the George Soros's and people like that who want to, you know, and as you can see, one thing that all three branches of the globalist elite uh, or of the competing branches of the uh, the factions of the elite, one thing they've all got in common is that they all love mass immigration, okay? And they also have in common uh, a, a generally anti-white uh, agenda, I, I would say, okay? Now, of the three of them, the middle one there, the techno-globalists, uh, everybody likes to go on about the WEF. The WEF is just a uh, a kind of conference, basically, where all these people meet. But there are many, many, many other conferences. 
and you just have to follow the calendar of a certain Tony Blair to see what they all are. Uh, just follow him about for a couple of weeks and you'll see how many of these uh, events there are that the Davos class basically go to. Um, Blair, as I've said many times, is one of the figures who straddles both of these uh, worlds, the techno-globalist world and the neocon world, because there's a lot of crossover between them. Um, I would say, generally speaking, during COVID, it was the middle branch, the techno-globalists, who were very firmly in the saddle, in the control, right? But as soon as the Ukraine war started, I think the neocons were back in the driving seat and have been in the driving seat basically since the Ukraine war started um, in a very, very big way. And I hope it's obvious to see, right? Because when issues like war, anti-Semitism, and so on are front and center, the neocons are winning, when it's stuff like, I mean, it, anything to do with massive managerial oversight, digital ID, technocratic solutions, UN, who stuff, which was very big during the, the COVID era, put it that way. It's very obviously the techno-globalists who are in charge, okay? And I think that, uh, generally speaking, there's a tendency for, especially like um, American rightists of the Alex Jones stripe, there's a tendency, I think, to not be able to see the difference between those two different power centers. Now, now some people argue that they're just the same, but I think it's really obvious that they're not the same. Um, and there's a there's a very big there's a there's a tendency, I think, of especially uh, Zionist supporters in America to want to put all the focus on the WEF guys uh, and on people like Klaus Schwab and the evil globalists, okay? Uh, but I think it should be clear, especially from the events of the past year, especially since the Hamas attack um, on Israel, that there's a, there's a very powerful lobby kind of power center in America that is not exactly aligned with the techno-globalists, okay? And I've, I've talked about this many times, um, and still there's always someone who says, oh, actually, they're all the same. That is not that is not the case. And you can actually see a kind of hostility between the two groups vying for power, uh, which has come front and center uh, in recent times over this, over this Israel business, okay? It should be obvious to you that Douglas Murray, who is massively, massively in this left-hand column here, um, is not the same as your kind of typical Davos man. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, so that, that I hope that answers that uh, question. Uh, okay. Let's have a look for some other questions here. I'll just have a look. There's, a, there's only been a couple on Twitter, so I'll deal with that one first. Um, let's have a look. Question AA. This is from Conspiracy Cat. Some really good insights, he says. You say the regime doesn't want whites thinking in racialized terms. Then 
But why then do shitlib outlets constantly speak in racialized terms? Whiteness, BLM, structural racism, isn't this self-defeating? Yes, conspiracy cat. I, I I think that uh, essentially the uh, the woke element they lost control of it, and it kind of developed the uh, when um, uh, Elon Musk and uh, Jordan Peterson and uh, James Lindsay talk about the woke mind virus and things like that. Um, essentially, there's been a kind of runaway mechanism. You know, it came out of the civil rights uh, legislation stuff in this country, the awful Equality Act 2010 um, that was instituted by Labour as a parting gift, but then not repealed by the Tories for reasons. Um, th essentially, the discourse that's grown up around that uh, legislation and the... Uh, the kind of culture that has grown up around HR departments and it's all compliance bullshit at the end of the day. Um, the the ideas that have grown up around that space uh, have become a bit toxic, basically. I mean, even the most basic and shit-lib-tier anti-wokists get that bit right, essentially. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a problem. It's it's caused a problem. It's caused a basic governance problem in the West, um, because people in record numbers uh, have lost trust with the uh, the media, the elite class in general. Uh, you know, populism is a real thing. It's caused a pro and it's caused a real problem. Um, and you know, the the brighter uh, people in the Davos crowd and the neocons and so on, they can see that. So they need to find a way to put that genie back in the bottle, as it were, and to make it go away for a while. Which is why I do why why I do think that uh, whether they're successful or not, there's a pretty big push at the moment to put the woke away. Uh, just just uh, today. Unilever, uh, who've got a new CEO, said that they are essentially going to put the woke away. They're going to stop their social justice me messaging. Unilever are a massive corporation, by the way. Massive. Do you remember when I tried to boycott P&G? Basically, every product that's not P&G in those, in those uh, products that P&G sell is maybe Unilever is the number two brand. Basically, every cosmetic product you can imagine, detergents, you know, baby nappies, you name it, Unilever do it. Um, so, you know, they're a big company uh, who have pretty vocally signaled that they're going to put the woke away. Uh, JP Morgan's CEO said that he's proudly anti-woke the other day. I mean, these aren't small companies. Right. If you're going to tell me that Unilever and JP Morgan are not a regime, you've got something else coming. They are regime. Okay. As regime, JP Morgan is as regime as it gets. And they're pretty strongly signaling that they are going to stop all of this stuff because it's an issue, right? 
woke is a bad ideology. It's a bad ruling. It's um, a uniquely ineffective ruling ideology that has, in the space of less than a decade, pretty much torn apart the social fabric. Many leftists blame this on Donald Trump and on my Brexit and so on. Actually, woke has been a lot more damaging than that um, in, in, in almost every conceivable metric. It, it is completely destroyed um, what was an extremely stable uh, situation for the elites. If you go back to 2005, say, or 2010, or at a very good moment that I would point everybody in this country back to was the 2012 Olympics, right? The 2012 Olympic opening ceremony in London, Boris bumbling along on his stupid little red bus. And um, it, it, I remember they had Rowan Atkinson and uh, what was his name? Uh, the uh, the internet guy, Tim Berners-Lee. Do you remember they did that thing on the... Uh, you know, Danny Boyle directed it, and it was a kind of, you know, the Mobot and all that bullshit, and David Beckham lighting the torch. Do you remember it all? That was a moment where there was something like, you know, a semblance of, you know, trust between the different levels of society, okay? From 2012 to 2022, if you take that 10 years, all of that has been destroyed. All of it. It's gone. I mean, you could, you could probably take it back to the, um, you know, the probably the real start of it was the economic crisis in 2007, 2008. Um, in America, Barack Obama was pretty damaging. Um, but in the space of, okay, make it 15 years. They have got what was one of the most efficient uh, propaganda engines the world has ever seen, one of the most obedient populations the world has ever seen, and they've basically fucked it up. And all it took to do that was sticking unlimited black people on TV and telling white people they were racist over and over again. Really fucking stupid. So when I say they're going to go back to Fresh Prince, in a sense, they have to. They have to go back to Fresh Prince, whether wokesters and leftists like it or not. They have to. Because they, they have unleashed forces that weren't even a blip on the radar when Boris was on that red bus at the London Olympics. It's just incredible what they've done. BLM was a terrific mistake, one of the worst mistakes in the history of governance, pretty much. They have completely fucked up in every single respect, and they need to undo that damage. That's just a basic fact. Um, so, okay, let's uh, let's carry on. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I agree that it was self-defeating to. It was a mistake, pretty much, to allow that to fester and grow, not just on college campuses, but in corporate boardrooms 
and the whole culture around the around it all. Just just a mistake. Um, I mean, look at the amount of people who uh, you know just watch our channels as opposed to watching the television. Or look at the amount of people who, if they hadn't done that, how many of us would just be, you know, perfectly happy to have con continued carrying along? Most of us, probably. I'd still be, you know, giving lectures to board, board students about Shakespeare, probably, if that hadn't happened. But what's, what they've done by unleashing these forces is they have not only turned a lot of people against them, but they have turned people militantly against them. All of you, me, everybody, everybody in our circles from li literally James Lindsay and Jordan Peterson all the way to, you know, the outermost fringes of the right. All of those people are animated against them in, in, a, in, a, in a pretty amazing way. To manage that in the space of a decade is is pretty phenomenal, and I don't think they planned it. I don't think they planned it that way. I think it was genuinely a, a fuck up on their part. Uh, okay, well, let's see what else. Um, the ideas of signal priming, focus, and ignore vaguely reminds me of some of Richard Bandler's NLP techniques: pacing, anchoring, reframing, and dissociation. Seems similar to some of this. Uh, yes, yes, um, and uh, funny enough, Richard Bandler taught my taught my mother of all people, uh, who is extremely well versed in the old NLP techniques. And if you do foundations of rhetoric, there's a little bit of that NLP stuff in there uh, because it's all persuasion at the end of the day. I talk about pacing and anchoring and all of those little sneaky NLP techniques. Uh, I talk about them on Foundations of Rhetoric. Going now, on sale, promo code FLASH1, 50% off, all courses, buy it now, buy it now. I'll see if there's any left, hold on a minute. Oh shit, they've all gone. Oh shit, they've all gone. Okay, they've all gone. Um, so that means it's going to be the next promo code down. So, hold on a second. Half price sale went a little bit better than I expected. Holy shit. Uh, the next code down is flash two. And I, I can't believe it. <laughs> this is incredible. So the next code down is flash two, which is 33% off. And three extremely clever autists have figured that out. So three of the next code down are gone because clever autists have figured out that the next code was flash two. <laughs> um, okay, so there's even less of those left. But anyway, buy it now. All right, let's carry on. Let's carry on, okay? Um, so let's now go to the uh, comments on the... How to Read the Media and Pass the Regime article. And I'm going to do it by top. I think that's the fairest way. I'll do it by top and then move down. Radical Liberation actually has the top comment. He says, the answer to the question in a headline is always no. There's a name for that. 
Betteridge's law of headlines is an adage that states any headline that ends in a question mark can be answered by the word no. So that wasn't actually a question, but it was the top comment. Um, there's a much longer comment afterwards by Vulpes Inculta, who says, the reason the regime never plays 4D chess and always signals its intentions is that the regime is decentralized. It's a network of network or system of systems with hundreds of thousands of active constituents and millions of passive constituents across the West. The people at the very top, the Biden, Blinken, Netanyahu, Macron, Schultz, etc., have short lines of communication that they use to discuss their plans and intentions. But their semi-autonomous underlings, the policy writing bureaucrats, the lobbyists, the academics, judges, etc., have to reinforce the regime's orders. Uh, the latter have to be told out in the open, typically through trusted publications and government or corporate briefs, what is expected of them. Yes, Volpez, I basically agree with what you just said there. I agree with what you said. They use the media to signal all the nodes in the system. That is basically right. However, I am not sure if I put the government uh, uh, ministers, the Bidens, Netanyahu, Schultz and so on, at Macron at the very top. I feel that there are, I mean, you can go back to my octopus lecture if you want. I think that the uh, there are there's a layer of people who clearly prime what all of those guys say and do as well. Netanyahu, I'll take out of there. Israel is a bit of a special case. Sovereign is he who makes the exception and so on. So we'll we'll take Netanyahu out because he's a bit of a he has special license to be a nutcase, um, which is in the process of being revoked. Is my is my prediction? That's what the ICJ stuff is about. Once this conflict in Israel is over, I predict Israel will never again get away with the bullshit it's up to now. Right? But there's a layer on top. This is where your NGO network and your. Do you remember I had in my model the chest and the the network? You know, this is basically what the Davos stuff is all about. At the end of the day. It is not that Joe Biden sets the tone and all of the other corporations and banks and NGOs say, yes, sir. It is that, that all of those set a tone and it flows on down and a lot of the politicians get their orders from them. How do we know this? We know this because our years of following Tony Blair show that what Tony Blair says six months ago becomes government policy yesterday or three months down the line or however long it is they literally told us in that i mean i remember doing one of those blair watches where they literally had a meeting about what the meeting at davos was going to be here's what we're going to tell the world leaders what they need to think next so clearly there's a, i mean i'm not saying blair's the only one there are many other there are many others in that kind of level who clearly have you know some degree of input above and beyond the actual governments um and in fact the israel situation has highlighted weird things when it comes to that like for example um 
Blair got special dispensation to act as a negotiator. I don't know if anybody noticed that. He flew over to Israel and was basically greeted like a head of state. And I, I mean, he, he does this all the time. He goes and meets world leaders and it's never clear, like, what's he doing there? He's just a former prime minister at the end of the day. Or, or sometimes he's there in his capacity as the uh, leader of the Blair Institute or whatever. But in that case, he got special permission from Parliament to act, you know, on Britain's behalf, even though he's completely unelected and is out of power and doesn't hold any seats in it. Any, you know, he's just a former prime minister. So there are odd things like that that kind of reveal themselves occasionally. Um, okay, the next uh, question here. Um, I won't read every comment. I'm just going to try to beeline to the questions. Baseless, so the sovereign sets the null hypothesis. Indeed. Um, there's a lot of comments saying that they'd be interested to see regional equivalents. Like there's a guy from Germany saying, what's the German equivalent? Or there's a guy in Canada trying to do the same. Now, I don't, unfortunately, I only have knowledge of US and UK. I don't have great knowledge of the others, although I could guess at some of them. This guy's mentioned Die Welt. Die Welt. I, I'm guessing that is some kind of centre-right outlet in, in Germany. Um, Sky News Australia is definitely kind of a containment outlet in in Australia. I've seen that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing there is no right wing in Canada. I could be wrong, though. In my imagination, Canada only has, like, BBC equivalents. <laughs> um, you know, uh, all right. Um, I don't know any, apart from France 24, I don't know any French news at all, to be honest. doesn't really reach us because they're in different language, you see. Um, my theory is that the regime can fortify poll results if the two candidates are within a certain range of each other. Let's say candidate T is 3% ahead of B. In a particular state, they can turn that around by a fortification. But if candidate T is 7% ahead of candidate B, they can't turn that around or attempt to turn it around, risk exposing the fortification. Um, well, I mean, I've got my own theory of what, what the real numbers are uh, from 2020. Uh, let me see exactly what that percentage was. I mean, in my in my theory, um, the the real gap last time was twenty percent. So, I mean, I really do think they turned. I really do think they fortified a twenty percent gap. In my in my view, uh, that's based on some rough calculations of mine, um, based on the idea that when the incumbent goes up, the other candidate goes down. Okay. So the real numbers being something like 74, 60, 59, something like that. Um, so, you know, it, it's possible what you're saying is right. But I, I actually think that um, if you're going to tell a lie, you might as well tell a really big lie, right? Might as well tell a big lie. Incidentally, one of the most misquoted 
uh, things from the from the Mustache Man ever. Read that quote in context, and uh, it will make a lot more sense. Uh, okay, what else? Um, I already understood this at a semi-conscious level, but nice to see it autistically organized in a 40-minute PowerPoint presentation. Good, good, good. Uh, I'm looking for the questions, really. I think the Taylor Swift key jangling is all about AI-generated images and how AI needs to be guessed it regulated. I mean, I, I do think it's a legitimate question to ask why Taylor Swift is being so blatantly inserted into the news all the time, right? I'm not kidding you. You know, this week I've had to have a hire car. So I've not been driving my own car. I've been driving this hire car. And in that car, it's not set up. It's not synced to my phone, so I can't listen to podcasts on it. So I've just been forced to listen to normie radio all week, okay? Literally every single news news item, some Taylor Swift-related thing is there, okay? The, the most ridiculous one, and let me see if I can actually find this story, was that um, a publisher has had to come out and deny a, a rumor, a conspiracy theory, that Taylor Swift was the secret author of this book. Um, yeah, here we go. This this story here. I mean, come on. This is this story was a story on the radio. Director Matthew Vaughan responds to rumors that Taylor Swift was the secret author behind Argyle. Argyle director says Taylor Swift didn't pen the spy thriller that inspired his new film, but her influence can be seen in other ways. <laughs> I mean, that was that was a story. Um, there's the, there was the story about, I mean, she wanted some Grammys, so that was obviously in the news. Then there was a, then there was the conspiracy theory about her, you know, announcing for Biden at the Super Bowl. Then there was the conspiracy theory that the Super Bowl has been fixed for Taylor Swift to win or some bullshit. I don't bloody know. But the fact is, is that every couple of days, there's a new story to put Taylor Swift in the headlines. To the point where if you go on news websites, there's a picture of Trump on one side and a picture of Taylor Swift on the other side. So I think it's legitimate to ask, why is she why is she being put front and center at the moment? Okay. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's just random. Who knows? But there's a very concerted push for Taylor Swift to be on the news all the time at the moment in a way that is above and beyond a normal music star or celebrity okay um okay uh excellent breath okay i'm not going to read all the comments just uh aa should make this a weekly series i mean how could i how, how could i pass the media and the regime every single week um what else i did have the thought earlier about doing a a daily show on my secondary channel, which has been dormant for many months now. I've, I've rebranded it today as AA Mellow from AA Gold. And I think I may do a daily show called Mellow Moments where I drink um, uh, Mellow Birds 
and talk about mild and mellow things. <laughs> um, could be a disaster, could be terrible, could be great. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a go until I get bored. Um, the one trick to read the media works very well, which of course is to be expected of AA. Climate change gave very interesting results, many layers to the onion. Okay. A memory hole from 20 from September, school concrete was falling apart. Yeah. Uh, edgy platypus should make one for Germany. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to... Where do Reuters and AP get their instruction from? Now, that is a really good question, and I'm not able to find the answer to that. Um, I mean, the Associated Press does have their own website, but that website is not the feed that all the journalists get. The journalists literally get an email in the morning, or the editor gets an email set. I don't know if it comes through email or what. If you're a journalist, you can tell me. But it comes through a wire. The Reuters has one, and the AP has the other one. There could be one from Bloomberg too, but don't quote me on that. I think Bloomberg sticks to financial stuff typically, but uh, I don't know. Who I, I honestly don't know uh, who sits above Reuters and AP or where they get the instructions from or who writes those headlines or what. That, now, that would be something I'd love to know. That would be like if you're an industry insider or a journalist or something, who's got any experience of how writers and AP work. I'd love to know that. Um, I, I saw the inside of Bloomberg's offices once. All I can remember is that they had a magnificent uh, kitchen at the front with loads of pastries and things. Um, so I've, you know, I've seen Bloomberg's offices, but um, I think Bloomberg just stick to financial news though, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, waiting for, okay. I love the level of contempt with which he says sub 2030. I could feel that. Oh, that was when I was talking about independent journalists. I mean, they are thick as mints, aren't they? Uh, okay. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Tommy Robinson and Casey Hopkins were both unbanned by X shortly after October the 7th. X platform is a containment tool. I mean, it's so obvious that uh, Robinson and Hopkins were back for counter jihad purposes. And if you doubt that, then I got a bridge to sell you. Um, I mean, counter jihad has been off the chart since October the 7th. Um, I mean, I saw Douglas Murray earlier on go in absolutely apeshit. Uh, Let's see, see Douglas Murray's latest. Or you can. Tell me that this uh, this hasn't been given the green light. I mean, don't forget, Douglas Murray basically, um, when that march happened at the Cenotaph and uh, Tommy Robinson and his supporters, you know, had a bit of argy with the police and so on, Douglas Murray loudly, loudly cheered that on on Twitter and basically observed no nobody highlighted it nobody asked like why isn't douglas murray questioned by the police nobody brought douglas murray in and now he's jet back on tv talking to julia hartley brewer um so you know after literally meeting with benjamin netanyahu last week 
I mean, how many other journalists just get to rock up and meet Benjamin Netanyahu? Douglas Murray does, apparently. Anyway, here's uh, a little bit of Douglas Murray. Well, that's one of the things, Julia, that I take away from this. This is why I say I don't recognize our country anymore. I really don't. I don't know why we have given in to Islamists and terrorists. I don't know why we've done it. Why is it that Saturday after Saturday, people parade through the streets of London, calling for jihad, praising Hamas, praising terrorists, and clambering over and defiling our sacred war monuments. Why do they get to do that every Saturday? But I can't speak in a theater on Shaftesbury Avenue uh, to a packed theater, mainly of Jews. Why is it that if you call for violence against Jews day after day on the streets of London, that's a-okay with the Metropolitan Police? But if Jews want to congregate in central London, apparently it's not okay, and we'll have to retreat to another venue. I'm not a victim here, and I'm not claiming any victimhood. I don't believe in that. I don't care. I'm not going to shut up. I'll continue speaking. This is my country. London is my city, and I expect to be able to do what I want in my city. But why is it that we have Hamas supporters and all these others who defile our monuments, defile our country? So, yeah, it was the really, it's, uh, you know, when it, when it affected that lot, now this is what pushed Douglas Murray over the edge. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> I mean, I remember all these people, Douglas Murray and Julia Hartley Brewer and bloody Andrew Neal and all these people. I remember them over the 2020 election. I remember them over COVID. I remember them over all of those things where they they also walked in complete lockstep with the regime on all of those issues. But now, Douglas gets to ramp up the rhetoric because his real masters are in need, essentially. If it's not obvious to you, then you're watching the wrong channel. All right, let's carry on. Um uh what is the source of Reuters and ap news now that is the question i would love to have answered but that would require somebody with i mean not just insider knowledge but knowledge of how it works at the highest levels uh because that has always been opaque to me and i've known a good number of journalists so that's i that's something i'd love to know as well um Confusion and delay asks when alternative and so-called alternative media tackle the same topics as the same as the regime media, even when well aware of the regime media's tactics, how often do they still find themselves doing the work of the regime? Well, well, I would say that this is a very underappreciated mechanism that the regime have kind of worked out, which is that in any given week, um, the the media still basically dictates what everybody talks about. And most influencers, not all, but most, kind of are driven along by the algorithm, by people's interest, by, you know, the likes and the retweets and the viewers and so on and so forth. I mean, there's a pretty strong incentive to want to talk about ev what everybody's talking about. And the people who rail against it, like... Uh, my buddy Scrump and Evelyn, for example, uh, or Panama Hat are pretty unpopular. And 
to get told to shut up and go away. So, you know, and I, I mean, you know, I, I run a channel here, so I, I understand what the kind of business drivers are and what the, the reason that everybody does it. But also that means that if you were canny and if you were Machiavellian about it, you could basically on any given Newsweek control most of the right, by which I mean the alternative media right as well. You could plant stories that PJW would gobble up because everybody loves a bit of red meat. Gobble it up, you could. It would be extremely easy. Let's say if I was working for MI6, which I don't, but let's pretend I was. I could pretty much tell them how to you know, what buttons to press to push the discourse this way and that. And it wouldn't be that difficult. You'd only need a few retweets from, from some key accounts on any given day, and you can get most people talking about the same thing on the same day. Because everybody has to get their take in, everybody has to get their, their you know, everybody has to comment, everybody loves to get involved. Everybody then wants to do a show on it. And, you know, it wouldn't be that difficult to game. And if somebody like me, only 147 IQ and just a bloke sitting here, can work that out. MI, MI6 haven't worked that out. Or uh, CIA, like they don't have any of those people working for them. No? I mean, maybe maybe I overestimate them. I probably do, to be honest, but it wouldn't be that difficult to game it, to be honest. Uh, okay, let's carry on. Uh, they seem to be signaling conscription at the moment. Yeah, I know, and I don't really understand what that's about. That, that is a genuine, like, what the hell? Um, th that is partly a kind of blown-up-nothing story in a way, because it was just... Um, it was just a, a general talking at a conference or a some army officer was talking at a at a conference who said, you know, if we if we try wanted to go to war tomorrow. But basically the media have picked up and run with that story and they've run with it and run with it and run with it. So um I think there is a there's something going on there. I think that they want to get the idea that the army is struggling to recruit in struggling to recruit into everybody's heads and to see that as a, as a big problem and of course the the containment right fucking lap that stuff up they love it national security is big big topic on the right wing everybody wants the strong army yeah so uh yeah i mean and if if it's true that they're almost 50 percent below recruitment target um, in Britain and in America, as far as I've seen, it's a big problem. That's, I mean, that's the chief driver for putting the woke away. White boys die in their wars, yeah? Um, is this a sneak peek at Tone's new playbook? No, but I absolutely love the fact he is making it. I, I'll, I, I probably have to do a complete... I may have to do like a chapter-by-chapter -chapter breakdown on this show when Tone's new book comes out, because... I mean, the Dark Lord himself is writing a manual for leadership. Can you believe it? 
didn't pass me by, by the way. Last year, I know somebody personally handed Tone a copy of Populist Delusion. Now, in my imagination, he just threw that straight in the bin. But maybe he didn't. Maybe he read it and thought, oh, I like the sound of this Mosca and Pareto chap. Maybe I'll write my own modern update of The Prince. Because that's basically what he's doing. <laughs> um, would Bloomberg, uh, would say Bloomberg is above the Financial Times. Well, I didn't put Bloomberg on there because I wasn't sure. I'm not sure of how to. I think Bloomberg just does finance stuff. Whereas I've noticed the FT comments on everything. Bloomberg often just sticks to its lane of just doing financial, unless I'm mistaken. Um, I don't know the name of the effect offhand, but there's a psychological effect where you can cause people to think about something by, in some manner, specifically telling them not to think about it. The example I'm trying to remember uh, referenced instructing the testees, don't think about a pink elephant while you're completing this task. Yes. Uh, is it called psychological reactance? I think it may be called reactance, where you do the opposite of what you're told to do. It's called psychological reactance. And um, a pretty heavy part of woke is is that, but I don't think that's deliberate. I think it's, uh, I think it's a mistake, as I said earlier on. Um, but I do think a lot of the Trump messaging could have been could could be that you know maybe there's a lot of people who secretly love donald trump i don't know um but but, but certainly if they if they are uh trying to deliberately do psychological reactance they're certainly succeeding in it but i i, I think that a lot of it could be accidental as well how self-aware of their position are the containment and trash right uh, I think they have to be aware of it to some extent because they're aware of what they can and cannot say. I think, I mean, there's a there's a guy uh, who's got a radio show in this country. Uh, I call him the sloppy fat pig, Michael Graham. He's definitely, definitely aware of his position as containment because I've seen how he handles callers who grip him, basically. Gets very aggressive with them. He... he he is well aware. Um, there'll be others who are less aware, but I'm, I think mostly they have to be aware. Um, and how do we know that? Because they police to their right. If you police to your right, you must be aware of yourself as containment to some extent. Otherwise, you wouldn't see the positions to your right as being bad, would you? So they, they must be aware of it. I mean, Douglas Murray always does this thing where he speaks in kind of hushed terms about, you know, ooh, wouldn't, uh, you know, if we don't get this control, then ooh, the fascists will come and things like that. He always has that move. So they're well aware of it. Um, um, okay. Daily Wire and Daily Beast, two cheeks of the same ass. Yeah. Uh, I have a question, says RT15F. Where would you put Politico? It is mostly trash, but has a lot of insights. Uh, I, I say Politico is between the shit lib tier and the regime. 
regime central. Politico is a little bit less shit-lib than most of those other shit-lib ones, um, in my view. It's more regime-y, I think. I feel like Politico would be an outlet that told, that would want to tell their readers, um, let's say, let's just pretend for a second that Trump was 15 points up in the in the polls. I feel that Politico would want to tell their readers the truth about that and not lie about it, for example. Um, question, who or what is the regime? How are its decisions made? Uh, well, Nick Moore, you would have to um, watch my octopus lecture that you can find if you whack that into uh, YouTube for a full explanation of that. Um, but generally speaking, the regime is a is a creature with many different legs and lots of its decisions are decentralized as, I, as i've talked about but it does have certain command and control mechanisms it does have them um and many of many of the decisions that are taken by the governments are pre-made by a set of unseen managers beforehand a lot of the time you know there are these white papers that are written by the various ngos that then get passed down and in that octopus talk i take you through some examples uh, of exactly how that is done much of the time it seems the regime is incapable of playing even 3d chess well indeed the only newspaper i trust is the dearborn independent Based. Um, which video is it where you're explaining the woke movement, as you mentioned in this one? Can't remember that one. Don't remember where I talk about the woke movement. Uh, okay, let's carry on. The Huffington Post is more or less defunct. I have no idea. I, I assume they're still going. Um, how would you pass Alex Jones? But it's funny you asked that, Jake Barr, 1992, because just before I came on air, um, just before I came on air, Alex Jones started doing a, um, a space on Twitter. And I thought, oh, this is unusual. I don't see Alex Jones do spaces on Twitter very often. So I kind of tuned in. And uh, first of all, it was like, oh, my God, this is Boomer. This is so Boomer because um, he was talking to like some old mate that he hadn't seen for 30 years. And then they were like, oh, you know, the only solution is for uh, is for the people to rise up and make their voices heard. And I was like, oh, my God, this is peak populist delusion, basically. It was just like, oh, my, you know, these people have learned nothing. They were still same old shit, basically, same old shit. So I said, I promptly stopped listening, and uh, that was that, basically. Um, I just think that Alex Jones is who he is, you know. He is who he is. Um, he's occasionally um, right about stuff and very often wrong about stuff. I feel like the uh, regime has always had a use for capital C conspiracy theory because if they seem crazy enough, 
David Icke is a pretty good example. Alex Jones is a good example. It's a structural role that they play basically to delegitimize, you know, many things that may be true. I always remember the uh, conspiracy pyramid that leftists share. Um, let me see if I can find that. The conspiracy pyramid. Here it is. Here's the conspiracy pyramid. And you can see that, you know, it's got grounded in reality, things that actually happened. Then it goes up, we have questions, unequivocally false, but mostly harmless, dangerous to yourself and others, world ruled by shadow elite, promotes hatred and violence towards marginalized groups, okay? Right up there. And as you can, as you noticed, uh, and there's, there's a lot the anti-Semitic to the point of no return, blah, blah, blah. And if you notice that the, there, are, there are things in here nutty things mixed in with things that may well be true. For example, George Soros is mentioned here, right? Well, George Soros does actually fund huge amounts of um, pro-migration stuff everywhere. This is proven, it's documented. Um, he has helped illegal migrants uh, proven documented i've got a whole book here called the open society network which basically tediously documents all of the money that george soros has put towards these various causes so that's one which is right at the top detached from reality that one is true but it's mixed in with all this other shit look mixed in with all this other shit and I feel like the Alex Joneses and the David Ikes and so on exist basically to make this, whether they know it or not, the structural role they're playing is to delegitimize anything that's in this triangle here, right? So that's uh, what I think that they're doing, okay? There's a lot of strange things if you really start looking at this. Soy boys is 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 there now? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but soy boys are a real thing, right? But that is that is in with Joe Biden is a robot. <laughs> so anyway, you can study that in your own time because it's pretty funny. The things that are in there, your flat Earth is in there next to deep state, as if there's not a deep state. It's obvious there's a deep state. That we have receipts and proof of there being a deep, deep state, state from Elon Musk since he took over Twitter. He released the Twitter files. We've seen it all. We've seen all the receipts. But those things are put next to, like, deep state there is sandwiched in between Flat Earth and QAnon. <laughs> so, you know, Nazis on the moon is in there. Right, and Jewish space lasers is in there. Next to, um, I don't know, you, you take your pick of what else is there. So, yes. So that, that is what I think uh, 
the uh, purpose of Alex Jones is. And now, I don't think Alex Jones is like cynically playing that role. I'm just saying structurally that's the role they've given him. And really it doesn't matter if the person's in on it or not. Structurally, they're given a role. Like Tommy Robinson has a structural role in the system as well. He is given a role. Now, it could be that, you know, he is not aware of that. Or maybe he is. I don't know. But the fact is, he does play that role. And the role Tommy Robinson plays is as a kind of vile, you know, as a, as, as the vile, yobbish, un, unacceptable voice of anti-Islamic hate or some bullshit. But also the role he plays when the regime needs it is to rile up, uh, rile up the gammons for Zion. We've seen him do it over and over again. So somebody says, hope you're right about Trump. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you still have faith because uh, my my see a lot of people take my my prescriptions as being positive or optimistic, but they don't truly understand what <laughs> what I mean when I talk about containment. Um, the regime is always right when well, I didn't say that, um, but he what he said is the regime is always right. Tick. So it's kind of like a mind game is what he was trying to. Somebody says I'm stupid. I'm sorry, AA. Well, I'm, at least you recognise it. Uh, can you elaborate on the difference between the regime telling us what is going to happen and them lying about what is happening, or we should read a headline as the inverse of what they are saying? Um, I mean, a lot of the time they don't outright lie. Sometimes they do, but. Lots of the time they don't outright lie. They just kind of frame things from their own perspective. Because in their own minds, they're probably right. <laughs> you know, so it's just, uh, you know, it really depends. Sometimes they do just tell outright lies, though. Especially, um, like, in the Russia-Ukraine war, just outright lies were told during that whole thing. Um, with Trump, they have told outright lies in some of the anti anti-Trump propaganda as well. Um, so it really depends. How can this information become actionable? Knowing something and doing something are two different things. There's no real point in knowing this for the sake of it. So now what says Rebecca Smith? Well, Rebecca Smith, um, I'm just a scholar. So I'm just doing this for kind of antiquarian purposes. You could say there is no, there is no actionable. There is no actionable there. If you would like to overthrow the government, to you know, in armed rebellion, well, that's on you. I do not condone anything like that on this channel, of course. Uh, how often do events happen against what the regime primes people for? In the eyes, um, example, Trump beating Hillary. Well, I mean, I I, I feel like they didn't quite get that right and maybe that was a genuine surprise trump beating hillary i don't know i mean it's hard to it's hard to know but i feel like that caught them on the hop a little bit um you know i don't think they would have gone to the trouble of uh hillary 
tweeting out, you know, she's going to wake up the president and having all those balloons there. And, you know, I think, I think that was a genuine surprise. And I also think that uh, Brexit was as well. I mean, one of the things that people forget about Brexit is that Nigel Farage thought that they'd lost that night as well. And he basically at one point in the night said, oh, it's over basically. And they won. So, um, what do you think of the Epoch Times and print and online outlets? Um, if I'm correct, if I'm wrong, but is the Epoch Times, um, is the, I, I get breaking news from the Epoch Times and I don't know when I subscribe to them, but at some point I accidentally subscribe to the Epoch Times and I get breaking news from them all the time. Um, it seems to me that they are a, a, a Trump outlet. Uh, they're clearly MAGA aligned, is what I'd say, from 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 them. Um, and you know, you've got to understand that there's a MAGA there's a MAGA network at this point as well. You know, Dr. Steve Turley and all of the sources that he uses, and um, you know, Richard Barris and the based lawyers, and who's that uh, guy with a cigar? Robert Barnes, Boomer, Boomer, Robert Barnes. You know, there, there's a whole MAGA network. Um, and, you know, they're going to promote MAGA stuff. Ultimately, they want Trump to win. So, you know, um, that is what it is. Uh, just use ground news. It tells you the media bias, so everything is okay. Okay. Uh, the coof was basically the Dallas dream season in real life. Yeah, I know. I know. They <laughs> basically, <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, forget about it now. The new normal's over. Bye. Ukraine war started. Ta-ra. There's a new thing now. Forget about it. We only locked you in your house for two years. Uh, <laughs> um, a lot of people said this was a good video to show normies especially Tory boy as well, if you say so. I thought I was a bit snarky in it, personally, but uh, there we go. Um, what can this information be used for? Well, I'll, I'll give you the same answer I gave to uh, the young lady just now, Carity Peg. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I just do it for antiquarian purposes. I'm just a scholar, so there we go. Um, all right, and I will uh, have a look at some super chats, um, unless anybody, and then when the chat slows down, because I can't look at the chat during the stream, uh, I, it kind of goes really fast and then it slows down, right? So, uh, I will then start taking questions from the normal chat as well. Pi Eater 108 says, Thanks for the work, AA. I also enjoyed the populist delusion. Can't wait for Boomer Truth Regime. For any future talks of Israel, groan. A candidate I would recommend for a guest would be Ryan Dawson, the top analyst on the Middle East and God's Chosen. Rye Liberty on X. I'm kind of a bit Israeled out, to be honest. I mean, what more What more is there to say about it, really? Um, uh, Coney says, do you think Naya Bukaleli is someone to be admired by our circles? Or is he pushed and marketed specifically towards us 
as a seductive form of containment by the regime. Um, well, why don't we have a little test live on air about what we're meant to think about ukulele? Uh, let's have a look at the headlines. Bukulele re-elected as president of Salvador. Set for a landslide vein after Grand Cacdown. El Salvador strongman Bukulele eyes re-election, never mind the constitution. The world coolest dictator. Nea Bukulele claims presidential re-election. Uh, I mean, that's an interesting headline from Time magazine right there. World coolest dictator. Gangsters in El Salvador are terrified of strongman Bukulele. Yeah, interesting. El Salvador's cool dictator, Bukulele, wins re-election. Coolest dictator. What, what the fuck is this? Okay, I mean, my instinct... My instinct when you asked that question was no. But now I'm seeing this, I'm thinking, what? What? Okay. Let's do another little trick. Mm. Argentina and El Salvador have backed Israel. You know what I'm going to say, Coney? Carl <laughs> uh, Habermas says, at the end of your natural lifespan, do you imagine that European natives will be in a better or a worse position? I don't know, to be honest, Carl uh, Habermas, because there are lots of unknowns. Um, given the nature, the hostile nature of the elites, whether they can pull off containment in the next couple of years, and basically the powder keg that they have created. Um, but I would like to think that as the situation gets worse, worse, uh, the European natives will basically kind of gain a greater awareness of themselves, if that makes any sense. So, you know, it could be that the situation on paper looks worse, but spiritually the situation will be better because they'll be more awake. But um, I don't know. I, I don't really know the answer to that. Coney says, why do some people like Dave Green not seem to understand that mainstreaming our ideas without the ability to properly gatekeep our space is a bad idea. We can't even keep out Hanania. Is Dave Green the distributist? Is he? Is that is Dave Green the distributist? I've, yes, he is distributist. Um, I don't know. I don't know why, uh, why Dave thinks that. I mean, Dave has got, I would say, a kind of mental health issue where he really 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 feels the need to talk to leftists a lot 
And uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you should have therapy for that. I don't, I don't really know what the answer to that is at that point. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know my views on this topic. Cringe Walker says... Um, <laughs> Uh, he's, he, the thing is, is that Dave is naturally a nice guy, and gate, gatekeeping's not very nice, basically. So, you know, could be just be down to his disposition, you know. Um, but that's—I mean—that's the problem with the right all over, really, is that that most of the time they're just too nice. Most of the people involved, you know. Uh, Cringe Walker says, when Trump wins and the right stream, sorry. When Trump wins and the right-wing mainstream inevitably ODs on mellow birds, how are you planning planning on standing out in the malaise phase of decline? Oh, I'll just keep on doing my thing, Cringe Walker. I uh, I have never struggled to stand out in any scenario, really. Um, by my usual policy of just telling the truth, as I see it, you know. I'll just call it straight down the line always. Uh, Rusty Shecklesford says, I want to plan a trip to Britain for my wife and I. We would be there for roughly one week. Where would we? Where could we go outside of London for an authentic experience that would be relatively easy to get to? Um... Cotswolds would be my go-to answer, I guess. Um, I mean, some bits of Cotswolds are pretty disnified at this point, but there's some nice places there. Um, that would just be a couple of, you know, like an hour or so on the train. Cotswolds would be my default answer. Um, KKK says, but what if the whole purpose was to F things up? idea if ruining the old bad world counts centuries and evergreen no i i just i don't believe the regime plays 40 chess i i honestly i honestly just don't think that they are clever enough to purposefully do it basically um i mean i i wrote an article today called the um the james lindsay debate club theory of history where I talked about at one point the thinking of a certain group over the Immigration Act of the mid 60s and the civil rights. And I talked about probably why they went for it. I, I don't believe that they were like really far sighted and trying to like screw up the whole society or whatever. I genuinely just think that um, most of the time uh, the planning horizon is much shorter than that. And people are. Um, thinking with their feelings most of the time they feel first and act on their impulses and intuitions and the reasoning for it comes later basically um and and i mean the left if you want to put it put it on the left i mean the left typically create a mess and then normalize the mess they normalize failure they destroy, they destroy standards, and then we're like, oh, shit, what do we do now? I know. Let's just normalize this, the new shit standard. I don't think they do that on purpose. I think that they 
um, often take the easiest way out, the easiest the easiest route out, because actually fixing problems is difficult. Actually coming up with solutions is very hard. And it's just easier to kick the can down the road or take the easy way out or, you know, make it somebody else's problem. Most people are shit and lazy, let's face it. So that's actually one of the reasons why uh, Blair, of all people, stands out because he seems fixated on actually fixing problems. Um, of course, we know in reality, Blair also does not fix any problems. What Blair's idea of fixing problems is most of the time is hiring lots and lots of management consultants on massive fees, mainly Tony's mates. So even he doesn't actually fit. He just talks a good game, basically. <laughs> he doesn't actually fix any problems. Um, Carl Habermas says, how long could Fresh Prince really last? A lot of people, I see a lot of people who hate the regime unto death. But these people simply go back to being inner liberals. Well, Carl, the question is, why do they hate the regime? If, if the reason they hate the regime is because it's woke, or because the regime hates Donald Trump, then in their mind, they wouldn't be going back to the regime. They would be simply following Donald Trump's orders, or they'd be in Trump's new America. See, there's more than one way to, you know, and it doesn't even matter if they can't square those two things, that joining the army would be helping the regime, because now it's Trump's army. You understand what I'm saying? So, so, so Trump, if they play this right, could be a huge asset for them. Could be a huge asset if they play it right. Now, there's many, many ways they can screw that up. So it's quite a big if, really. Um, but they've got a lot of they've got a lot of damage that they need to undo. Um, I, in fact, I saw that probably the most ridiculous example of this was Bud Light. Bud Light have hired a right-wing comedian who's known for making fun of gays and things like this um, as their new kind of, as their new spokesperson, like advertising person, because, um, yeah, here we go. I, I'll, I'll show you who this person is. Bud Light appears to be in desperation mode Partners with right-leaning comedian Shane Gillis. Remarkable. Gillis, who is a polar opposite from Dylan Mulvaney, is popular for his gay jokes and pro-conservative takes. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to see his material, to be honest. But, you know, they fucked up. And they are going to have to work hard to get people back on the reservation. Maybe they fucked up too badly. We'll see. But they're going to have to try. They have to. Structurally, they have to. Taekwondo Chess says, AA, you said there are no genuine right-wing publication papers. France has ma many. Germany has secession. They are mostly subscription papers where right intellectuals publish articles. It should be possible to set one up in England. Uh, well, France has a much stronger right-wing intellectual um, tradition uh, I mean, they had not just, um, you know, there's Alan Benoit and the 
the French New Right and Guillaume Fay and all those guys. Um, so they have a much longer history of this because France is a much more intellectual country than, than Britain is. I think Britain has always kind of um, been a bit funny about intellectuals. Um, you know, that, that, that much is true. It doesn't Britain does not revere its intellectuals in the same way. Um, so there's that uh, aspect. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be possible to set one up in England, but also you might have MI5 knocking at the door as well. So probably almost certainly. Uh, Germany has secession. Now, I, I don't know about that. You'd have to... I don't know about the German situation at all. Uh, Adamy says, can't really see a difference between Fresh Prince and now, aside from competence. The, ad the agenda was just as bad. You can't just go back to competence. Oh, there's a massive difference, Adamy. Fresh Prince, the messaging was, they're just like you. Uncle Phil is just a lovely guy. He's just like you. Oh, Carlton Banks. I mean, he's a bit goofy, but ultimately he's just like you. All right, they're black, but, you know, there's a few funny black things Will Smith does, but they're just like you. So you're not racist. We're not racist. We're past all of that. We just judge people by the content of their character now. We're not looking at that. All right, we know they're black, but they're just the same. Whereas, whereas the woke basically doesn't say that, does it, Adam? The woke says, Adam, you are white and therefore you're a bad person. You are racist. Even if you don't mean to be racist, you're still racist. Y you show it in little ways, in your, in your microaggressions. You're basically racist, Adam. Fuck you, Adam. That's the difference between Fresh Prince and Woke. Okay, if you can't if you can't see the difference between those two things, something wrong with you. But you can, can't you? So don't say silly things. Glow in the dark says, and and everything else could be the same. The difference is is that the second one rubs you up the wrong way, and the first one makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, because Uncle Phil makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside or Mr. T or whoever it was, whereas being called a racist over and over again pisses you off. Or it used to. Now we're all immune to it. Now you're like, yeah, I am a racist. <laughs> you see how bad they, how bad the strategy is. Because now, hundreds, millions, possibly tens of millions of white people are just like, yeah, actually, I don't like black people, and I am racist. What are you going to do now? <laughs> what a fuck up, eh? Glow in the Dark says, uh, they don't want to get rid of woke, in my opinion. They just want a leash on it. The problem with the woke is that they're too impulsive. Question, why now? Well, Glow in the Dark, the reason why now is because the social fabric has been irreparably damaged by woke. It's been irreparably damaged. It's it's turned normal, nice, middle-class people against them. People like me. People like you. People like all of the people watching this show. It's turned all of us against them. 
and that is a problem for the regime. Not just the white boys who won't sign up for their wars, but intelligent people, middle class people, people who should be part of the non, non-governing elite or whatever. But we're not part of the non-governing elite. We're here, plotting against them. And they don't like that. And in very big numbers. That's why now they need to put an end to all of this. And it's not going to, they're not going to find a way of putting an end to it until there's a big show of putting it all away so that the issue goes away. They don't actually have to fix any of the other things. They just have to stop the feeling that people have that their country is being taken away from them. That the, there are people in every institution who hate this country or hate America or whatever. That is a problem. It's a real problem. Coney says, what do you think is the first thing that the British faction of the real DR should build in the real world? Seems to me until we start building something tangible, we're going to be stuck on a line. Well, I mean, the, the obvious first thing to build is some sort of think tank, isn't it? That would be the first thing to build, a think tank. I know I have very detailed plans for one of those, but I can't share them on this show. But I do have detailed plans. <laughs> I may or may not have talked to people about it as well. Uh, Luce Dux, uh, Les Duxanis says, AA, no question, but I love your AAA stories. I have a girl about to turn three, and it's so much fun. Hope I can get into shenanigans like you and AAA. Oh, well, thank you very much. Do you know, there are some people who, when I start telling a AAA story, say, oh, yawn, another boring AAA story. So I try to tell less of them these days. If you miss my AAA stories, blame that guy. Blame that guy who said, oh, it's boring. So I try not to. Maybe I'll tell more AAA stories on my Mellow Moments show. If I do that Mellow Moments show, maybe I'll maybe I'll tell more AAA stories. She did a really weird thing yesterday, AAA. I'll tell a story right now. She had me and Mrs. AA lie down straight on the floor. And she said, put your grabbers down. Put your grabbers down. I was like, what do you mean? She wanted me to put my arms straight down on the floor and every time i move them she's like no keep your keep your grabbers down put your legs straight and we were so she'd have she'd had us both lying on the floor and i was kind of looking at miss age and what is this and and after about five minutes or so we were like what's the game then and she's like i want to get up now what is this game no stay down keep your grabbers down and it was like she was a kind of drill sergeant or something. So what, what is this game? And then she went into the cupboard and got some sellotape, pulled the sellotape. I was like, what, you're going to put that on our mouths now? What, what is this game? <laughs> so um, anyway, that was, uh, that was a bit of an odd, that was a bit of an odd moment. So there you go. A triple A horror story. <laughs> uh, Glow in the Dark says, a power doesn't need approval. Example, Blair. Why doesn't he just take up the crown already? In all seriousness, who or what does Blair work for? While glow in the dark, Blair works for Blair. 
but also he is funded by his number one fan, Bill Gates. Do you remember that video we played the other day? Bill Gates loves Tony Blair. Uh, where's that video I had? I played it on uh, UO. I think it's probably worth watching again. Where's that Bill Gates video that I that I played the other day? It was amazing. Uh, where's that Bill Gates video? Oh, here we go. A human being, a politician that you really admired as a person, not, not just in terms of their commitment to point seven, but is, is, there, is there a world leader that you've met and you've thought, I like the way their mind works, I'm impressed by that. I mean, who, 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 who did you warm to as a person? Well, I've gotten to know, you know, both Brown and Blair pretty well. I'll actually see Tony Blair today. Our foundation works with him uh, in terms of helping African governments have have more capacity. And I always value talking to him, learning uh, uh, from him. <laughs> so uh, there we go. <laughs> um, something weird there. Uh, okay. Blair does seem to be quite enmeshed in the old uh, Jewish power network as well, but it's uh, difficult to ascertain exactly where he came from, who he works for, what his agenda is, really. Um, maybe he just works for Tone's bank balance. Who knows? <laughs> Pinhead Luke says, can we just get a little bit jealous? Can we be at least a little jealous of Israel? Just doing what it wants, carving away for its people. It's a nation in ascent. Uh, I, I disagree with that, uh, Pinhead Luke. I think um, Israel has gone to a pretty dark place. I think it's kind of lost, really lost. Uh, I mean, it's, how can I put this? Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't envy any part of Israel, to be honest. I think it's, uh, I think it's, precarious and not very nice situation for all concerned to be honest um i think it's a liability both to itself and to the and to the world as a whole that's my that's my honest view um and i am not jealous of it at all um so in fact i i i have more envy for the russians than i do for the israelis um, because they seem to have something closer to genuine sovereignty, the Russians. Um, whereas uh, Israel are in this horrible, I don't know, there's, there's something about the whole thing that doesn't, like, I, you watch that Carolyn Glick show, right, and think, you know, are you really envious of Carolyn Glick? You know, this, this settler who kind of is scared for her life every single day and, has to kind of navigate the i mean it's just a horrible situation uh no i'm not jealous of them at all um sam 153 says what is tucker carlson up to do you th really think he'll get a uh, putin interview wouldn't that just make them blood mad at tucker and want to destroy him more i don't really understand this putin story i'm gonna have to look into this uh before um I'm going to have to look into this before uh, unpopular opinions tomorrow because um, Scrump seems to think that there's some weird thing going on where it's not just Tucker, but a number of different operatives want to talk to Putin because they want to try to normalize relations with Russia again. 
that now that would surprise me a lot. Um, that would surprise me personally a lot. But who knows? I mean, you know, when when Trump was uh, when Scrump was saying that earlier on, I basically responded with the Orwell meme. You know, uh, we've always been at war with the, uh, Eurasia, etc. Um, so uh, you know, that would that would be a that would be an about turn almost too much even for me from, from the regime but so you know because they've put so much time and energy into hating putin for them to turn around back on that now would be extraordinary um kk says bro you know nothing about israel seriously otherwise you're passing the regime article is correct and brilliant oh what don't what don't i know about israel kk I'm, I'm correct about everything apart from Israel. But now that, why is there this special carve out, KK? Now it's it's always difficult to tell. Is it is this person on a pro-Israeli, or is this person more anti-Semitic than thou? It's very difficult to tell when it comes to that issue. <laughs> uh, I mean, it could be either way. Given by his name, I'm guessing it's the latter, actually. Uh, this is like some uh, Groyper kid who, who who thinks they're more base, et cetera, et cetera. Carl Habermas says, what do you say? What do you say is the minimum IQ threshold before somebody becomes a competent political actor? Um, well, I think, I think IQ is generally overrated. Um, and you could probably have a very competent political actor who's got very average IQ. I mean, what's the IQ of Bill Clinton? Is he some genius or, I mean, he was a pretty competent political actor. I don't think he was a genius or anything. George W. Bush was a, didn't he have his like IQ scores on record? Um, I mean, he didn't seem that bright, but he was a pretty good political actor, wasn't he? So uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced that uh, a high IQ basically is necessary. 95 i don't know 100 i'm not a big iq i'm not a big iq guy um i feel like um other factors are more important most of the time risk taking charisma all that sort of stuff you know uh you know a, a politician needs to have like uh good communication skills good uh kind of uh uh, what do they call it, EQ, right? I mean, it, it, here's a question I'd have to you. Who's higher IQ, Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump? You know, you'd probably say, well, Ron DeSantis is pretty high IQ, right? But clearly Donald Trump is a more comp is a better political actor, right? Because uh, he's got a wider range of skills. He's a people person. Ron DeSantis is not a people person, so... It really depends on what the role is. Um, then there's, you know, Trump is good in the campaign. Boris Johnson was good in the campaign. He's been less effective in as an actual governor, right? Ron DeSantis has been pretty good as a governor, shit in the campaign, as we saw. So, you know, it really depends on what you're looking for. Maybe one day I'll do my football manager stat stream. I'll rate different people in football manager you know i'll give my political football manager stats 
Um, the only person who's really good across the board that I can think of is Blair. Um, Put I mean, I don't really know what Pu Putin is like in Russian because I've only ever seen him in translation. Putin seems pretty competent to me. Um, but there are there are other there are other operatives as well. Um, Carl Habermas says uh, three dollars more for the car. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Takar says, do you expect the high crime rate in the UK and US to continue during the coming Fresh Prince phase? Um, no, I feel like it should. I feel like these things have a habit of uh, regressing to the mean, as they say. So if there's been a spike, probably it'll come down. Uh, you know, they need to make a show of things of things coming down. Um, one of my oldest videos, speaking of Tony Blair, is about, it's called something like How Tony Blair Cooked the Books on the, Fiddled the Books on the Crime Rate or whatever, where they actually managed to make the graph show the crime was coming down all through the Blair years. Now, the lived experience of a lot of people in Britain probably was not that the, they felt safer during that period or that they were experiencing less crime. But he was able to show a graph of the crime coming down. So on paper, it looked like that. So that's all they really have to do because perception management is everything. Who says, Watacha AA, Geomatra will tell you why Taylor Swift is being pushed so hard. Spoiler, new currency undefined. So Geomatra, I don't know what that is. What's Geomatra? Is that some crypto thing? Who's is a massive crypto guy? He's been on the show before. Geomatra. I don't, I don't know. This is too easy. Too esoteric for me, who's. I don't know what you're talking about. Takar says, is the West unique in terms of its octopus oligarchic structure? Is everyone else operating on a non-hereditary monarchical model? Um, I'm sure it's not. I mean, the Soviet Union was a very complex, you know, if you have a look at how the Soviet Union worked post-Stalin, so like in the... Khrushchev and Brezhnev eras and things like that. There were many, many different uh, politburos and this and that. So it was, you know, um, so um, there have been other complex societies as well. Um, but uh, on Earth right now, probably the the West, the West's uh, one is. I, if I had to guess, I would say it's the most complex one that there is today. Um, a lot of the other countries have a more aut uh, autocratic structure. Um, although one day, if you remind me, uh, I don't know if I've ever done this as a video or a stream, but uh, Iran's system is a very labyrinthine, Byzantine. You might say it is uh, really pretty complicated. Um, I can't remember if I ever did that video, but 
it's a lot of fun, Iran system. You know, he's called the supreme leader, and he has um, kind of executive control over a few foreign policy things, but there is a lot of complexity in the Iranian system. It was designed by, I mean, there's a weird kind of French revolutionary element to the Iranian revolution. So there's a lot of weird sub-bureaus and committees and committees within committees and this house answers to that house and it's all really fucking complicated but the beauty of elite theory is that it will tell you that ultimately all the structures are the same ultimately when push comes to shove paul peasant says what is the regime more afraid of some manner of societal breakdown for any number of reasons or world war three i think the former to be honest. Um, it seems to be like cheerleading World War III um, for some reason. And that could be that something as simple as war tends to bring people together. So maybe that's why you have some cheerleaders. I always remember that um, uh, James Dellingpole had Norman Lamont, uh, not Norman Lamont, Norman Tebbit, the old uh, bruiser, Thatcher's old leather-clad bruiser went on James Dellingpole once back in the day. Uh, this was like five, six, seven years ago now. I don't even know if, if Norman Tebbit is still alive, to be honest. And um, Dellingpole asked Tebbit, like, you know, how the hell are we going to get out of all this? Like, everything's a mess. And he just said, a good old-fashioned war will sort everything out. Good old-fashioned war. That was his answer. Maybe. Uh, Lee Bourne says, are the Lotus Eaters a good mouthpiece for much of what we want? I know you went on, but what's your overall opinion? I saw Calvin Robinson is joining. Uh, I mean, I think the Lotus Eaters do a good job of low-key uh, low key mainstreaming some of the things that I talk about on this show. Um, you know, uh, things like that. Um, because of the size of them and the size of Sargon and uh, so on, um, they are a little bit closer to the Eye of Sauron. And so a, a lot of the things they're going to have to do there will occasionally, you know, they're not going to be able to be like 24-7 based all the time. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, they they get shut down basically, simple as that. Um, so yeah, you know you have to make a certain certain allowances. Uh, I would say, but honestly, <clears throat> the times I've watched Lotus Eaters, I'm surprised by what they get away with. To be honest, most of the time, I mean they sail pretty close to the wind. I mean they they say they stay. I would say they say more openly based things on Lotus Eaters than I do on this channel. Um, anyway, Poor Peasant says, Bikaleli had self-professed criminals frog-marched into a prison that was built for such purposes. He might be inspiring to the technologists. <clears throat> Autistic Cat says, thank you for the content. It means so much. Well, thank you very much, Autistic Cat. It means so much. 
Jack Mananoff says, do you see any way to break out of the apparent monopoly that the regime media has on our attention? Well, I suppose alternative media is still thrall to the current thing. I want to ignore. Um, no, is the question, is, is the answer really. I mean, um, as a thought experiment, imagine you just don't pay attention to anything. Don't watch any media. Don't go on social media. You know, turn off all your screens. Just live your life. I feel like people wouldn't be able to do it. And if you can, then you'll know what it's like. Michael Ellis says, do you think the farmers' protests going on and now in Europe are going to succeed? Or will they all go the same way as the Canadian truckers? I honestly believe if they if they lose, we are stuffed. I don't know, is, is, the, is the answer to the farmers' protests. I just don't know. It seems like they're not going to go the same route as Trudeau. It seems like they're not going to go this. The regime, I mean, is not going to go the same route as the Canadian truckers. I just don't know. I mean, I hope that the farmers prevail. But who knows? Coney says, why a think tank? Why not a conference centre or a pub instead? Um, because ultimately we want political change. And uh, I think a think tank would be um, uh, a strong way to affect the discourse in some way. And to, um, I mean, ultimately we, what we want to do is get enough of a vanguard elite on side. Um, that is very far from happening. Uh, so that's why I think a think tank. Conference center, I mean, I would say a conference center would come after the think tank because the think tank would then start to put on events. Then you, you'd build up enough capital to get a conference center. Um, although a, any sort of building would be good. Just a building. The poss If we just had a building, the possibilities would be endless. It could be a conference center, a pub, and a think tank all in one. Just a building. But in this country, buildings are extremely expensive. Black Ennis says, I'm writing a play. Which books would you recommend? <laughs> I mean, my gosh. Uh, there are so many books. Um, um, I mean, there are just too many, too many books to, to name. So maybe I'll just name the last one that I opened. False Dawn, The Delusions of Global Capitalism by John Gray. How about that? Um, George Adams says, a fee quid towards the car. And also provide a pub if and when it's time to return to Bowden speeches. Uh, okay. Uh, Holocom Record says, I don't see how they could. Uh, one thing I would like to do at some point. I'd like to go on a tour of dingy pubs. I've got this idea of like doing a tour of the North and meeting based friends along the way. Love to do that one time. That's a bit difficult with the little with the little one. Maybe when she's in school uh, after September, it'll be easier to do that sort of thing. 
Holocron Record says, I don't see how they could possibly turn me back to Fresh Prince, let alone get me to fight a war for them. I agree that they're trying, but uh, what would genuinely have to happen to get people like me? Well, Holocron Records, I would say if you're watching this channel, you are much less likely to turn back to Fresh Prince because you've got people like me pointing out what's happening. But you, Holocron Records, are a 0.1% of 1% of people who even take any notice of politics. Never forget that. You're the 0.1% of 1%. Most people, 99% of people, don't pay any attention to politics at all. So it wouldn't take much to turn them back. It really wouldn't. Malarkey says, since white proles have made their feelings clear about conscriptions, do you think the regime will view them as fifth columnists and increase hostility? No, I think they'll try to woo them. They'll try to seduce them. Because they have to. You can't piss off the tax base to the extent where they rebel. Governance 101. They have to win them back. And it was a mistake to piss them off in the first place. That's my view. Um, and again, this is not like populism. It's just basically, it's just basic governance. Even like Carl Schmitt talked about the importance of the um, obligations. There's an obligation loop. Okay. It doesn't matter if you call your leaders kings or prime minister or president or dictator or what. They have to protect the borders, keep law and order. Right? And they and in exchange the, the peasantry pay taxes, uh, you know, and other and render services in vassalage. Now it doesn't matter what you call the system, if the elites break their part of the bargain, they're not long. They, ha they have to um, win people back, basically, because they've lost them. There's no other way. I mean, it's not like particularly deep analysis or anything. That's the basic reality of the situation. And they've said as much in Davos. They've said as much in Davos. So, you know, when they're saying it at Davos. Davos! He's at the WEF, the World Economic Forum, in Davos! <laughs> if they recognize it there, they've recognized it, basically. So, anyway, um, let's just see if there are any of the flash coupon codes left. Nope, I think they've... No, they've all gone. Apparently, it's on minus one. I've never seen that before. Somebody... That must mean that two people bought them at the same, at the exact same time. And the system has registered a minus one. Extraordinary. I've never seen that before. 
Okay. Well, excellent. I'm I'm glad that uh, the sale has gone well. Although all of pretty much all of that money is going to go to some greedy car mechanic tomorrow. Um, let me let me have a look at. Um, uh the chat okay we've been on for two hours so i think that's long enough yeah the mechanic has absolutely mugged me he's absolutely mugged me off yes uh absolutely mugged me off it's not about changing oil my gear my my uh clutch is buggered basically lila Lila said been following the protest to the New Zealand government's plans to revert modern interpretation to the Treaty of Waitangi back to the Fresh Prince conception. <laughs> um, well, the, well, the, well, the thing is, is that the um, the thing is, is that the um, mechanic is coming here to the lodge, and he's fixing it within a week. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of the expense is that, but I don't know what else to. I don't know what else I could have done because I need this car, and I couldn't have it. You know, <laughs> I've hired a, I've hired a car out for a week, but I can't really be without my car for more than a week. Um, and garages around here is like a three week wait, months wait to just get seen by somebody. So yeah, uh, there we go. Bloody, he didn't even, he was meant to be here today. He didn't even turn up on time. Bloody cowboy. All right. Um, hope you enjoyed this, ladies and gentlemen. It was a bit more of a casual cigar stream, but we've had a lot of, we've had months and months and months of heavy cigar streams. So I thought we'd do something a little bit, little bit lighter today. Hopefully there was a lot to chew on in this stream. Oh, yeah, I mean, the uh, Adam Curtis is back on Wednesday. It will be on Thatcher. In fact, uh, if you're watching along with the Adam Curtis, I've decided that I'm not only going to do Adam Curtis, um, not only, um, hold on a minute. I'm getting up the spreadsheet. I'm not only going to do um, the Oceans Apart episode 7, which is turning up the volume. We're also going to do the League of Gentlemen episode of Pandora's Box. So I've been doing two per episode. So Pandora's Box, League of Gentlemen, as well as turning up the volume from Oceans Apart. We'll do them both because they both concern Thatcher. Thatcher. So it's going to be Falklands War. It's going to be militarism. It's going to be Milton Friedman and all that good stuff. So it's going to be great. Um, and then tomorrow night on Unpopular Opinions, we've got some special guests, the guests of honor for the week, the Reply Guys. Because I turned replies off on Twitter, although I've now turned them back on again because it was such a hassle to switch it every single time. Um, the reply guy is going to be the guest. Uh, There's going to be many long-time reply guys are going to come on. So there we go. All right. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. 
I'll see you tomorrow night. But most importantly of all, get out. The persecuted becomes the persecutor. The hunted becomes the hunter. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! Well, that's easily fixed.